Welcome to Power Yourself, where we discuss the most important topic in the world, you. Welcome to part two of our series on stress. Now in part one, we talked about what happens when the wheels of your life fall off. You come home one day and you find out there's a major life change. Now it could be involuntary or it could be voluntary. So we strongly encourage you to check out part one of our stress series. We talked about some amazing life skills that you can start to work on immediately and also some life skills that may take years to master, but we can at least start to put the wheels in motion on them. We're going to talk today now about part two of the stress series. So when a traumatic life event happens, how can we be prepared? In fact, even after the event, the stress can reside and even grow. So in episode two, we're going to look at incorporating some good life habits that will help you get through to the other side of the traumatic, stressful event. And our Sherpa on this guide through Stress Mountain is Jillian Power. Carl, I love it. <laughs> it's always so unique, <laughs> the introduction. And it's so funny, guys. Sorry, we're not, I'm, not, I, I'm not able to handle it without laughing all the time. But it's always so off guard <laughs> because I never know what he's going to say. So always, always That's an good stress, right? That's yeah. good stress in our life. So, you know, what, Jillian, what did you think about the last episode? You know, we talked a little bit about getting some life skills in place and about going through the individual moment that when we're in shock, right? That That's kind of what episode one was about. Absolutely. It was about dealing with the kind of initial moments when that big life change happens. Okay. Sometimes your anxiety is through the roof. You can't, you're not breathing properly. You don't know what to do. And if you do almost nothing you're going to explode or you're going to shut down so as opposed to those two alternatives we kind of tried to equip you with some healthy habits to put in place for those moments to just you know extend the ladder down to kind of get you through the initial shock or the initial devastation and one thing that really hit home with me in that last episode was we talked briefly about treating our brain like a machine like an engine in a car and I think there's some value to that that you think oh my goodness my engine's overheating well I'm going to need to pull over to the side of the road and look after it now my engine is my brain it's my mind my body my soul I need to look after myself through the stressful time Carl, you always have such great analogies and it really helps. Like I go on rants. I don't know if you noticed that, <laughs> um, but you're always able to bring it back and kind of sum up into a nice, clever analogy. So just one of the 652 ways why I'm so appreciative <laughs> that you're with me on this. <laughs> I have to pull my weight somehow, right? So we're going to talk here in this episode two of the stress series about what comes after the the stressful event. So you know, I, I very much remember, you know, I went to a funeral recently and just using that as an example here. And I thought about it as we were all leaving the, the service that life's going to return to normal for most of us, except for the very, very close people that were that, that knew the person that passed away. And I thought, wow, that night is going to be awful because everyone else in the world, their life returns to normal. And then for them, the real healing begins. So it's not so much the stressful moment, but it's what comes afterwards. And that's what we want to talk about in this episode. And it's ways to set ourselves up to succeed, guys. Life change, it's not easy. And I'm sure all of you are nodding your heads 
because it can be absolutely terrible and crippling and life-changing and scary and overwhelming. But we want to talk about ways you can take back control, okay? It's not going to make things 100% better and all magical and unicornish right away. But it's ways that you as an individual can take back control of your life and start almost planting the seeds to be able to have a healthy life once you come through it. Now, I don't think there'll be any clear delineation between the traumatic event itself and then one day you wake up and you think okay now I'm in part two where it's the 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 life after the event because you know we continue to live our lives in a continuum through time we're not just waking up one day and now we're in part two so I think there's some some I don't want to say warning signs but some signals that we may be in the after stages of the traumatic event so for example you might find that your friends and family Life has returned to normal for them. And you're thinking, hmm, but I'm the one that went through this traumatic event and no one else seems to really care anymore. That might be just a sign that you're moving into stage two, right? Um, You may feel lost and without a purpose. You may be saying, you know what? This traumatic event happened a year ago and I still just can't seem to get past it. Or or, or I'm getting past it, but I have these triggers that set me back. You know, I think post-traumatic stress is so prevalent in our life because instead, instead of us... De- like or, or I guess trying to deal with the event, these triggers will set us off where you know it, it, it stays as part of us. Even it could be weeks, months, years later. And that's the thing. It's almost like a landmine too, right? Things can totally set us off a long time after. So I think that's why this episode is so important because we don't want you to wait the year or the, you know, the couple of months. After the initial shock, we want you to start implementing these healthy habits because they're going to get you through it. And it's funny because you talk about not knowing when you're through or when you're in stage two. And I can remember going through um, a life event and being like, you know, I'm doing these healthy things. So, you know, you read so much, you try to incorporate all this positivity into your life to help you deal with it. And it's like, when am I going to feel better? When am I going to feel better? I should feel better. I'm doing these healthy things. And it's funny because one day you wake up and you're like, oh, I am feeling a lot better. So it's almost like, how can I say it? And I'm sure Carl, you'll be able to wrap it up nicely <laughs> to a bow. But no pressure. No, no pressure, pressure there. <laughs> um, but it's almost like if you invest and use quality ingredients, I promise you, you're going to get a better result at the end. I think that's a great. I think that's great advice. I, I feel like on the surface, a lot of what we're saying sounds like we talk a lot about buffering and about and, and buffering for those that may be new to the podcast. That is alcohol, drugs. It could be avoidance. So maybe you watch a lot of television. Maybe you're online on social media, but you're trying to escape the problem. That's, that's buffer. Yeah, disconnecting. Yeah. And that's typically long-term. It can be damaging because you're not really ever dealing with the problem. So we're not talking about those buffering. We're talking about ways that we can help accept And I like what you said in in episode one. You mentioned that acceptance is not saying it's okay. It's not saying, oh, everything's right. It's 
being an adult enough to say, from an adult standpoint, we have to make some hard decisions. We have to deal with reality. And I think that's really important to make that distinction. That being okay accepting this life change does not mean all is forgiven and all is wonderful. You're not saying that. No, you're just trying to define, well, what's life going to be now? Right. So let's get into some of these good habits that we can utilize. And I think not only are they good habits to use every day of our lives, but they're good habits, especially when we are inundated by this stress. Some of these things that we'll talk about, like we'll talk about six mainly, and we're, we've probably had podcasts on some of them, and I'm sure we'll have podcasts on the rest of them. But it's kind of like the essential life-changing toolkit. You almost need to start implementing these when you're going through that big life change because it's going to help you come out the other end in a more positive version of yourself. So you can imagine if you were a carpenter, a plumber, an electrician, you go into the Home Depot and you say, I'm going to come up with six tools for my tool belt. Well, these are six tools that Jillian's identified that we can have in our arsenal. So when life hands us uh, a, a wrong left turn, we have six tools in our tool belt that we can help combat this. We can help accept this, not avoid it, not, not skirt around it, but go through it in a confident and healthy way. And I love it because it's six things that can help you help set you up for success when you're actually through on the other end, because we all get through it. We just don't know how long it's going to take. So I promise you, if you implement these six things, even if you're feeling crummy, you're feeling devastated, you don't feel like you're ready to move on, if you start implementing them, I promise you it's going to help you come out the other end a much more prettier version or next level version of yourself. And before we jump into the six things, I'm sure our listeners are thinking, get to the six things already. But before we get to the six things, I want to throw one little nugget out there that I heard the other day. I heard the definition of self-confidence and I loved it. And it was that self-confidence is your belief that you can handle whatever life throws at you. So it's not that life is going great all the time. It's that when life is not going great, you have the resiliency to pick yourself up and continue on. I love that because I feel like as hard as we might try to avoid negative things happening to us, it's pretty much impossible. At some point, someone in our lives will get sick or die or someone will lose a job or someone will go through a breakup. And we're lucky in the sense that we have so many friends in our lives. We have such a rich tapestry of life that we are uh, vulnerable to all those elements that could happen. The only way to avoid all that would be to sit in a windowless room by yourself with no friends or no family. Well, what kind of life is that? That'd be awful. So the price we pay for having so many friends, having rich lives and rich jobs and rich careers is that someday something bad might happen to us. So let's work on the resiliency piece of it so that we can pick ourselves up and move forward in a healthy way. And I promise you, every single person listening to this, guys, you can get through it. You absolutely can. We've all had the moment in our life or multiple moments that we feel like putting the sheets over our head is the best possible result or the answer. But I promise you, if you put the energy in, you will come out the other end. And what I like about these six tips is they're not earth shattering. They're not, they're not like, oh my goodness, we've never heard of these before. But when you use all six together, it's very powerful. So individually, you might think, eh, what's the big deal? 
but it's a lot like working on a construction project. If you only use a screwdriver, well, you're not going to be able to do the entire project. But if you use the screwdriver and the hammer and the power drill and the, you know, the slide rule, you're going to be able to successfully complete the project. And successfully complete a better version of yourself. I love it. Okay, so let's jump into the first, uh, in the, the first tool that we can use in the tool belt, and that's eating healthy. Why is this so important? Obviously, from a physical perspective, yes, we all want to live to be 100 years old and we all want to be healthy. And, but, but why is it healthy mentally and emotionally to eat a healthy diet? I feel because sometimes when we go through those huge life moments or crisis moments, we might just want to eat like really bad food or maybe like, I don't know, like eat takeout for three meals or stress eat and maybe eat a bag of cookies and nothing else that day. So it's almost like we're expecting our bodies to work properly or help us get through this huge life event, but we're not fueling it with gas. Yeah, and I like what you say about using food food as fuel. I, I know like high-performance athletes will, will use that analogy. They'll say it's fuel for my body. And, and if you can imagine like a high-performance automobile, can you imagine putting in, you know, the worst-grade gasoline and never doing an oil change and you never check the tire pressure? And then you go into a race and you have all these other high-performance cars next to you and you're going, well, of course you're not going to win. Of course you're not, you're not resilient. So I love that analogy because I feel like when the stresses are happening, that's the other cars bumping into you. That's life trying to push you down. And you can build up, literally build up muscles. You can build mental acuity by eating healthy foods. And we're talking fruits, vegetables, drinking enough water, cooking your own meals at home. Yeah, even so simple as saying, I'll eat three meals a day. I will care about myself enough. And here's the thing. It's caring about yourself enough to put yourself as a priority and say, no, I deserve to have three good meals a day. And I will do that for myself. Set up meals, make sure you're giving yourself food to fuel yourself through it. Yeah. You're a big you're a big fan of like actually learning how to cook new food in the kitchen, right? Oh, yeah. And I like foods that make me feel better. So you actually seek out new foods to try. So can you talk a little bit about that? Like, how do you go about doing that? If for somebody listening to the podcast, they might think, well, I walk through the department store and there's this weird looking root vegetable sitting over there. How do you figure out what to use it for? Do you talk to people? Do you go online? What, what's I'm a your huge Pinterest fan, to be honest. Okay. So we usually try to, like, we're big on meal planning. So, you know, you don't need to go that extreme. But that's how I set myself up to succeed. So we go through Pinterest. We get, like, a couple of dishes, and we make them all on Sunday nights. Oh, okay. So it's like a team effort. You'll spend, like, what, a couple hours in the kitchen, and you'll prepare the food. You'll cook the food. And then throughout the week, you have your meals literally sitting in little Tupperwares that you can then pull out and eat when it's convenient. Yeah, so that I don't come home and I'm tired or had a bad day and fuel myself with junk. Now, the next tip we're going to talk about here, the next tool in the tool belt, is one that is a very contentious issue with a lot of people. We would love for it to be an easy win. But unfortunately, that's not the case. And we're all guilty of this. And we're going to talk about sleep. We would all love to get enough sleep every night, especially in stressful situations. Our mind is racing. 
Our body is racing. You go to sleep and you wake up two hours later, you're a sweaty disaster. You're pulling off the covers. You're pulling on the covers. The windows are open. The windows are closed. We all know that we need more sleep. We all know that we need a healthy night's sleep. How do we get it, Jillian? Show all, us the way. <laughs> and we all know that if we don't get the sleep, you're not going to be able to handle the situation as good. You're going to be tired. You're going to be irritable. You're probably going to be way quicker to go to aggression or anger than to be able to regulate your own emotions. So I would say going through stressful times, you really have to, once again, invest inward and set up a schedule and make it a priority for yourself. You need the energy to get through it. And sleep is one of those really big things. So something I would say, because we all go through those stressful times and it is harder, I totally agree, to get our sleep on those days. So look at what you're doing before you're going to bed, okay? What's your ritual? Set up a healthy ritual. So detach, we've said this before, detach from all your electronics, but also look at your room. Is it set up with lots of distractions or is it a peaceful place? So that's something you could actually physically do to make it more appealing for sleep. Don't associate like food with your room or don't have like tvs on or music on like make your room a very peaceful place that's something you can do which can help you get a better quality sleep yeah i love the idea of having a little uh, diffuser off to the side that's maybe has some essential oils in there a lot of people love a, a comforting smell when they go to sleep lavender is a good one absolutely something as simple i think too is having a white noise machine or having a book easily accessible. A lot of people say, oh, whenever I read, I always fall asleep. Well, that's wonderful. I mean, instead of using that as a negative, let's use that as a positive. Having a book on your nightstand that is right there. You don't need to go search for it. You don't need to go look on the bookshelf. Oh, good grief. I've got 50 books. Which one do I pick? No, no. Pick one book. Put it off to the side and say, it might take me a year to get through this book, but I'm going to keep it on my nightstand and I will read a little bit every night. I'm going to try to read a couple pages every night. And I find that having it easily accessible removes one more barrier and then you get in bed and you say, I'm going to have 15 minutes to read. And maybe t after 10 minutes, you go, oh, I can barely keep my eyes open. Wonderful. Time yeah. for bed. And it helps kind of get the dialogue in your head to a quieter pace. Because if you're reading something, you can't obviously be thinking too much about the future or the past or overanalyzing. So it's an opportunity to kind of disconnect once again in a healthy way to distract yourself enough so you can go to sleep. Now, I do want to bring up an earlier point that Jillian's made, not only in the stress series, but in other podcasts as well, which is the idea of self-awareness. So what this means is, which books do you read that actually make you sleepy? Is it a novel? Could it be a magazine? Some writing is designed to inflame us, to excite us. There could be lots of magazine articles or the news that gets us actually angry or scared. Reading a novel could actually be very scary. If you're reading a horror novel, you're, oh my goodness, now I can't sleep all night. You know, if you read something that is a, a nonfiction biography, it could be a very comforting book. And you go, oh, this is very interesting, but I'm ready for bed now. So ask yourself, what is it that you're doing when you actually do get sleepy? What are you reading? What are you eating? I know one person, for example, that loves eating white rice but they always fall asleep two hours later. They say, you know what, I could eat it in the middle of the day and I'll have a nap. So if they're, if they're having trouble sleeping, their supper, their meal is includes white rice. So two hours later, they're ready for bed. 
I thought, well, that's brilliant. Heart he's blood. he's so, yeah, he's self aware enough to say this always makes me sleepy. So there's no right or wrong answer, but we want to look for ways in our life to kind of tweak our machine, tweak our brain to say, oh, it's ready for bed now. Dimming and, the lights, having the having the sounds and the sense and the reading that can put us to sleep. And I really want you to place importance on it. It is a big thing, guys. It's not something, oh, I can get lots of that later. Oh, I don't need it. Going through critical, crucial life moments, life events, it's exhausting. And I promise you, you need your sleep to be able to come out the other end. One so thing that, make it a priority. And one thing that Jillian talks about a lot on the podcast is mindfulness. And I want to point out too, one thing that I've learned is that mindfulness, true mindfulness is actually really difficult. That if you sit in a room, especially at bedtime, and you turn off, try to turn off your brain, you're creating this empty void that your brain wants to fill. It wants to fill with the future. It wants to fill with the past, with alternative ways your life can get better or worse. Your brain is sometimes your best friend, but it's also sometimes your worst enemy. So practicing mindfulness is an actual skill. It's no different than lifting a barbell and making yourself stronger. You make yourself stronger mentally so that you can actually turn off your brain like a light switch. It's a fascinating skill. And that goes perfectly into number three. And number three is meditation. So mindfulness is a part of that. That is a meditation you can do. Now, I know a lot of new listeners are going to hear meditation and they're going to think, oh my goodness, I need to climb to the top of a mountain and get a yoga mat out. But that's not what meditation is, is it? It's used to, that's what I used to think it was <laughs> too. So I understand that kind of foreign concept. But no, guys, it's just about being present. Maybe, um, like I see it as an opportunity to really clean up your head, take control back of the bee's nest. I've said that a billion times. And really start to quiet it down or get control of the thoughts that you're cycling around in your head. And especially in those big life moments or like the aftermath, it's hard to focus on the positive. We really are dwelling in the past or maybe we're in the anger stage or depression stage. So it's about making that conscious effort to maybe do a meditation on something positive or about envisioning yourself on the other end of it. And how much better you are and maybe kind of having those wishful how you want to see yourself on the other end. So when you're doing meditation, you could literally be doing anything. You could be brushing your teeth. You could be eating a meal. You could be going for a walk in the park. You don't have to necessarily be sitting on a yoga mat on the top of a mountain. Yeah, I find meditation and mindfulness to be almost identical, if not identical. Sure. Uh, mindfulness being present in the moment and meditation may be more, uh, more of a ritual, kind of like uh, maybe doing an exercise to think about positivity or envision yourself in your Zen place where there's no worry or there's no negativity or something like that. Nice. And in this day and age where we're connected online all the time, you know what? Maybe we can use this to our advantage there's lots of apps out there for example where they have 10 minute cycles where they have waves crashing against the shore very peaceful music so you can use tools as well to help you meditate if that's what you need to kind of get the ball rolling there's no right or wrong way to do this if that's what you need there are tools out there to help us that's how i started i always did the kind of guided meditation so it told me what to do 
And that's like, I did that for, I would say a full year before I really started to do it on my own for myself. Nice. Do you mind talking a little bit about that, about somebody who's trying to get into this and they're thinking, I have no idea where to start. Do you go onto like iTunes and grab an app and then you listen to the waves crashing? You can definitely do that. You could buy a CD, a little bit old fashioned or tape or something like that, which I did, um, and listen to it, kind of set it up in your room and do it before you go to bed. But basically, it's somebody guiding you and telling you what to do. And that's nice when you first start out, because it's so arbitrary, like it's such a big thing. And it's hard to really know what's right and what's wrong. And I guess the thing is, there is no right and wrong. And that's what you start to learn once you do those guided meditations is everybody's different. It's just basically controlling your mind to only think about like one specific thing. Maybe it's um, their waves crashing or your breathing coming in and out or energies flowing through or um, brushing your teeth, like so many different things. But it's directing your mind in a certain way so that you're still going to get those thoughts that come in to be like, oh my God, what am I going to do about the future? But it's like, no, I'm not going to feed into that. I'm acknowledging that it's there. I'm going to let it go out and I'm going to bring my focus back to the waves or to whatever you're meditating on. And once you realize that, so it's really, guys, once again, I want to say it's not about shutting out your thoughts. It's still acknowledging them because it's going to happen. We're human. We drift off. Our mind wants to set us up what we think to success or distract us. So it's about acknowledging that those thoughts are coming in, but not giving it the time saying, ah, I see you, but no, not right now. Fantastic. I love that. Number four, we're going to talk about another contentious issue because it takes time and it takes energy and it's exercise. Dun, dun, dun. How do we make the time? We all know we're supposed to go for the run. We all know we're supposed to go for the hike. How do you make the time in our lives, especially as busy adults? What do you recommend? Well, first off, I'm going to say you're worth it. So you should make the time. Okay. Coming from somebody who's been on huge roads of success for exercises and huge catastrophic failures when it comes to setting my schedule up. But the best way I have found and most consistent way to set myself up to succeed is setting a schedule, making myself as a priority. And all of these six things you're going to notice, it's you doing it for you. And that's what we're kind of trying to bring your attention to. Everything to get you through these huge catastrophic events, it's you. You need to want better. You need to put the time and energy into yourself to get yourself through this. Nobody, and I promise you, nobody can get you through. You have to do it yourself. And what I love is the idea of merging some of these skills together, merging some of these tools together. So we could look at, we could take some self-awareness and we could ask ourselves, what do we do during the week? We have seven days in a week. Write it out. Do you go to work? Do you come home? Do you talk with friends? Do you watch TV? Can you incorporate exercise into some of those activities? Maybe you spend an hour on the phone talking to a relative. Maybe you could incorporate that by going for a walk. Grab your cell phone and go for a nice walk in the evening. You're still on your phone. You're still talking to the friend. You can multitask. You can do two things. I love watching a show, you know, a couple hours a week. 
maybe I can do my stretches and my workout while I watch that show. I'm, I'm not losing anything. I'm gaining the activity. Instead of me just sitting there with nacho cheese dust on my chest, I'm now watching television and working out at the same time. I'm not just sitting there eating chips. And the exercise piece, it fuels on so many great levels. Like, first of all, you're expelling energy. So if you're angry or if you're feeling really high emotions, it's a way to work through them in a positive way. But then it's also like it gives you confidence because if you make the commitment and you stick with it, you start to feel better about yourself. So in reality, it's actually catapulting you through to the other side and you really don't even know it. Plus, you start to look better. So you feel more confident in yourself. So not only are you feeling confident because you made a commitment, but you're looking physically better. I think that's a big deal, right? There's yeah. no... We, we live in this day and age where it, we get dual messages. On the one hand, we're told we need to look our best. But on the other hand, we tend to try to be in a society where we really value humility. And we go, oh, I, I don't want to appear too proud. I don't want to appear too full of myself. I think it's awesome when somebody loses a bit of weight or they, they get a haircut or they are done up, they wear nice clothes for the day, and they are very proud of themselves. And they come in and they go, hey, I look like a million bucks today. And it's like, that's a great attitude to have. Every day, you're worth it to dress your best, take a shower, shave, have some exercise, make yourself physically a priority. But see, and that's such a good thing because you think about those people and you look at that dialogue in themselves. If they believe it about themselves, I promise you they're going to have the emotions connected with them. Let's talk about the fifth topic, which I love this topic. This is going to be a tool for our tool belt, and it's a support system. Now, this is one where I feel like there could be a high variance in quality. So you could have a support system, but it might not be as good as we want. So I think, Jillian, you're going to probably talk about how to get a support system and also how to get a high quality support system. Well, I definitely look at the positive people you want to kind of um, make a priority for in your life. So I would say, look at your friends and look at your family and your support system or the people in your life and kind of see the people who are going to help you get through this the best quality way. Okay, so the people who have those good habits in place, maybe those are the people you're going to spend more time with. Maybe those are the people you might have to reach out to on the bad days just to help give you a little extra support to get through. And I think it's fascinating. You can figure this out kind of in advance. You don't need to wait for a life event to happen. You can actually go to your friends in advance. Next time you're out with your friends, if you're maybe you have a vacation planned, if you mention that you're going somewhere on vacation, see what their reaction is. I love this. It's a little little thought experiment you can do. If you mention you're going on somewhere on vacation, what is their response? Are they excited for you? Do they immediately try to top your story with one of their own? Do they immediately judge you and say, oh my goodness, why would you ever do that? That'll give you a huge indicator, I think, as to what they will be like when the chips are down. You don't just want everyone just agreeing with you all the time, but I think a support system, you want someone who genuinely hears you, they're a good listener, and they support your decision rather than trying to impose their will on you. Yeah, a good thing too is looking at how you feel after spending time with somebody. Do you feel exhausted? Do you feel energized? Do you feel like you can conquer the world? Or do you feel like you've just been 
through the slaughterhouse. So I think that's kind of the filter system I use and the people who I feel better after being with. Now, want to take a pause here. Nobody else can make you feel anything. But I mean is that if you're with somebody and you're having positive thoughts, you're likely going to feel it to be positive emotions. So it's that that I want you to be conscious of. Okay, so it's not saying that that other person is giving you the negative thoughts, but maybe if you're going through like a hard life moment or a hard life challenge, maybe you want to really be selected on the people that you're actually spending time with. So maybe there's certain people in your life that you don't have the energy to concentrate on right now. And that's okay, guys. This is your recipe to get you through this huge life change. And it's about knowing, like I love it how you said the quality piece of it. So it's knowing the people who are going to offer that quality and help get you realizing what you need to do to get yourself through. Yeah, I find that friends will often, I'm just wearing a very selfish hat here for 30 seconds, but I feel like friends serve a purpose in your life. And sometimes they serve different purposes. Mm -hmm. Not every friend is going to be a great support system if the chips are down. Some friends are really fun to do things with. Some friends, it's kind of all about them and you're there to support them. And that, that's okay too. Sometimes the friends are all about you and they're there to support you. You might have a mutual interest. You might have a friend that's once work has ended, you never see them again. Or once you move away, you lose connections. There's no right or wrong friends, but you want to find those friends in your life that when the chips are down, you, can't, you do feel comfortable to talk to them about it. Now, you might not have those friends and that's okay too. So there's other support systems in place. You could go to a professional, for example. There's no shame in going to a counselor. I love, we talked about this in an earlier episode, that if someone's going through mental, a mental life struggle, sometimes there's a stigma, oh, I'll go to a therapist. But there's no stigma if you injure yourself physically and go to a doctor. Well, what's the difference? If I hurt my arm, I go to the hospital. I'm not ashamed of that. I hurt my arm. If I hurt myself mentally or emotionally, or if someone hurt me mentally or emotionally, there's no shame in going to a therapist and saying, hey, I need some help. I need a support system in place. I love it. And there are people who do it. Like we had Fleur on in an earlier episode. And it's somebody on your side to help give you the tools. So, Carl, I love it that you brought that in. Because if you don't feel you have that support system, which not all of us have. And sometimes in our life, we're kind of going through a clean house and uh, picking up new friends or changing or whatever. But... Those professionals are always there. So nobody is ever alone. And a professional is not just a handy backup plan if you have no friends. A professional can actually be even more valuable in some ways because they have a professional detachment. Sometimes you might be talking with a friend and they might say, oh, I know what you mean. I hate that person too. Well, a professional is not going to say that because they don't know any of the players involved. So they might give you a fresh perspective and say, well, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? So that can be really valuable valuable uh, feedback, having a dispassionate third-party person come in and say, hold on here, factually, let's look at what's happening. Their whole job is to listen to you and give you tools. That's a win. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, there's other support systems as well that aren't even people. You could go to the library and grab books. You can go on Amazon and buy a book. You could listen to this podcast. You can listen to other podcasts. One thing I love that Jillian and I do is on the off week when there's not a podcast, we're posting on a Facebook page a helpful tip or a helpful trick. It could be a podcast. It could be a picture. It could be an article that we saw online. 
And the idea is that there's lots of support out there, even if they're not people. Could be books, podcasts. Which are totally going into six. So it's looking at those kind of healthy hobbies. So you nailed it, Carl. Could totally be going to the library. Or it could be reading or maybe volunteering or maybe painting or cleaning. Cleaning is a very therapeutic thing, especially going through a huge life change. Something so simple as cleaning up your room allows you to feel control. And then once you're in that room, it's actually clean and it's less chaotic. You feel more organized. It's a simple way to take back control. But yeah, yeah. lots of healthy hobbies you can kind of put into place. I love the idea of volunteering. I think volunteering is like the best kept secret on the planet because it looks like we're giving and giving, but boy, we're getting so much as well. It's such a, I almost want to say it's like a scam because it's like nobody knows how much I'm getting out of this. I look like such a hero to give my time, but I'm getting so much of it Isn't as well. Isn't that so funny? Like yeah. I always <laughs> think of it they're, that they're like, oh my God, you did so good. I'm like, should I tell them I got way more out of that? Totally. Than- I probably gave like it can be a really, really positive inward thing to just investing in other people, helping somebody and making it so random too. like anybody struggling. Like I've ran into a couple of people maybe struggling um, during just a typical day and taking the time to help be there for them or help you know maybe it's bring the groceries to the car or do some simple little errand to make their life easier wow isn't that a positive way to kind of invest in yourself and help somebody out at the same time and again we live in a day and age where we're so connected there's nothing wrong with literally typing into google local charities in need and reaching out to them emailing them you know, you can go to the local animal shelter and you can spend an hour a week just petting stray animals, helping like, them. I think mean, about I, that. <laughs> I mean, right there. Like, I that's just like, even, yes, you're helping them, but oh my goodness, are they ever helping you? It's amazing. There's so many things you can do, guys. And that's the thing. Like, it's the whole thing about all the podcasts and the stress episode. It's, You can take control. You just need to put the time and energy into doing those positive things. And that becomes the dialogue in your head. That becomes the dominant feeling in your life. Just take control and almost fuel yourself with positive things. It's like investing in yourself with quality ingredients. I found that sometimes when stress happens, the first thing we lose in our life is the ability to have fun. We just throw it out the window. We say, well, we don't have time for that. And I would argue that's one of the most important things to make time for. The idea of sitting down for half an hour and drawing or writing or painting. Painting's a big one with people. People love to paint. And they're not selling their paintings. They're not hanging up their paintings. It's the act of creation, the act of creating something and making it real. To sit back and look at a book you've written or to look at a painting or a drawing that you've made, it was originally in your mind and now it exists in the real world. It is such a transformative moment in someone's life. And I'm very lucky and I know this is going to sound like a bit of a humble brag. I've written a few books in my life and to hold a book in your hand that's 300, 400 pages that was nothing and now it's something, it's an amazing feeling. And it's the same if you're drawing or if you're 
volunteering. You get that thank you letter or you just walk out of the volunteer place and you go, I made a difference in somebody's life. And even if they'll never know, boy, that is a powerful, powerful change in the world. And it's something you can do. You can put the energy into those things. So the six things we talked about, you know, healthy eating, sleep, exercise, um, meditation, meditation, support system, support system and healthy hobbies. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for saving me there. <laughs> but those are all things. And we wanted to just give you six quick wins that you can start incorporating in your life during these huge life changes or, you know, life is totally unraveled. That's your foundation. That's quality ingredients that you can consciously put the effort in to using to help you transition to a better version of you. It's very similar, you know, with the tools in the tool belt. We all know those people that maybe they own a house and if the dishwasher breaks, they have no idea what to do. And we know those people that when the dishwasher breaks, they have a whole garage full of tools and they say, Hey, it's not a big deal. I'm going to fix it. Let's be that house that has those garage full of tools. We have six awesome tools today. Thank you, Jillian. Um, we encourage you to go online to our social media and we would love it if you go onto iTunes and leave a review for our podcast. And we would also love it if you go on Facebook and leave a comment. You can like us. You can follow us on Facebook. It means the world to us when we receive feedback about the work that we're doing here on this podcast. So thank you so much for listening today. We really want to encourage you to take some time out of your day. We're asking for five minutes to go online, go into iTunes, and leave a review of this podcast. It would mean the world to us. It really helps us when you're searching uh, for a podcast. The reviews are very valuable. And if you could go onto Facebook, like us, follow us, get involved, ask a question. We love the idea of getting feedback about the job that we're doing. Maybe you have a question. Maybe you have a comment. We really want to encourage you to get involved. It means the world to us. So we hope you enjoyed the second episode of our three-part series on stress. Now coming up next, we're going to have part three, and I'm really excited about this. I know Jillian, you are too. We're going to be interviewing a person that's gone through a stressful situation, and we're going to ask him about the tools he used to get through it. It's going to be a fascinating conversation. I can't wait. So again, thank you so much for listening. I'm Carl. I'm Jillian. And we will talk to you next time. Thank you so much.